Hello everyone and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm your host Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. Primetime, as always, brought to you by FreemanHyundai.com. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week. It's a new week here in ADC Sports Dallas later on the show. And as always, reminding you that throughout the entire offseason, we've got you covered over at adcsports.com slash Dallas. Not only that, but also if you're into the Mavericks, Ian's work is a must read. And also Alec Cash's work. Uh, Ian had one on how Dallas gave a great effort despite no Luka. And still, you to take game one. You can read his story over on the website. And tonight on the show, we will start with some relevant Kelvin Joseph updates over the weekend. Later on, we'll talk about the most disrespected Cowboys unit on the on the team for 2022. And we'll close out the show talking about Michael Parsons blasting PFF on social media this Friday. Uh, after a disrespectful, and that is his own words, take from PFF. So we'll get into that and some more Micah Parsons conversations that we need to have. So do me a favor, hit the like button, share the stream, shout out to the podcast audience. If you're listening after the show was live on Spotify or iTunes, also leave us a five-star review. It takes about 10 seconds and you can now do it on Spotify as well. Shout out to Joey Bella, Charlene, Vic, uh, I see you, NFC, Black Damage, uh, Russell. Thank you guys, Martin, for being tonight here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Let's talk about the situation with Kelvin Joseph. Last time that I talked to you was on Thursday night, and we knew about the rumors floating around social media already, but it wasn't until later in the night when the show was long uh, over that we heard an official report from the Dallas Morning News that claimed that the Dallas police wanted to talk uh, to to Kelvin Joseph as a person of interest regarding a homicide case. And it's a very serious topic, of course. I That's why I don't want to delve into the speculation side of things, but we'll share some of the key updates over the weekend in case you have not uh, followed this storyline very closely. And I will share what, in my opinion, is the biggest question for the Dallas Cowboys right now. Now, before we dive into the details, I also think it's important to note that football pales in importance uh, in comparison to, of course, the the true incident of, of this case, right? So we're I know we're going to talk football because that's what we do uh, here on ADC Sports Dallas, a sports show in the end. But let's all keep in mind that at the end of the day, what matters the most and what really sucks about this whole storyline is that someone was killed. Someone lost his life. And of course, there is a family that's grieving uh, the loss. So it really just sucks. Here are the updates that we've had so far over the weekend. His lawyer, Kelvin Joseph's lawyer, stated that Kelvin Joseph was indeed in the vehicle from which the shots were fired, but he specified that Kelvin Joseph was not the shooter and that he was unarmed. Now, Joseph talked to the police on Friday, and then Saturday morning, uh, Saturday noon, 
Two arrests were made by the Dallas police after talking to Kelvin Joseph, uh, whether it's related or not related. Well, we really don't know. We can only speculate. But so far, that's what's been going on in the world of, of, of the Kelvin Joseph storyline that has been in the mind of Cowboys fans throughout this entire week weekend. It's re a very serious topic, of course. We know that really serious beyond sports. But Cowboys fans do have a lot of questions about this. And I think the biggest of which is brought up actually by Russell here on Facebook. Because the biggest question for Cowboys Nation right now seems to be whether we or not we think he will stay on the team, whether Kelvin Joseph will be, re will be released, whether he will miss games or not. I think, and this is just my, my opinion, because once again, we know very little as fans. We only know what has been reported by the Dallas Morning News. Uh, first and foremost, credit to them. They have been in top of this story since it began. Uh, but I will say this. We need to know maybe more details so we can speak definitely on this topic. But I will say this. My biggest question right now is, is there any amount of context that Kelvin Joseph can provide so that the Cowboys are okay with him being on the car. Because we know that he was in the car and that has been admitted to by his own lawyer. We know that. And my question is, is there any amount of context that makes the Cowboys okay with that? Because my initial reaction to this is, I don't think there is. I don't think there should be, maybe. But once again, it's difficult to talk or to speak definitely on this topic without or with very limited information on the subject. So waiting is definitely the... Uh, at least for us on this show, the way to go maybe before we speak definitely on it. But I do think that it will be tough for Kelvin Joseph to provide enough context for the Cowboys to be okay with him being on that car. Because we know he was on that car. And as Deontay Lee from The Athletic tweeted out uh, earlier on the week, you know, you should know better than getting on the car. And on a later tweet, he explained getting in the car is not only about opening that door and sitting in it. It's, it's more than that. So we also kind of know or we can, we can uh, infer from the fact that Dallas police was asking for public information that as Michael Gelkin wrote on the Dallas Morning News, weeks went by without Kelvin Joseph coming forward. And again, we do know he was on that car. I, I would be surprised if there is enough context for him to stick around. Charlene is saying, Joseph has to find another group of people to hang out with. They need to get rid of Joseph today. This is Craig. Uh, Joey says exactly. Let's wait for the details. Some serious, serious stuff going on in the world of the Dallas Cowboys. 
uh, and Kelvin Joseph. And really just adding to what has been a very complicated off the field kind of off season for the Cowboys because we've got, we have dealt with the cheerleader scandal, the Gary Jones daughter storyline. Now this, it's tough. But I think that's the biggest question that the Cowboys need to answer. Tragic, as Big is saying, tragic situation all around. Now, as for the question of whether or not Kelvin Joseph will remain a Dallas Cowboy, I think it's all about that question. It really boils down to that one question. Is there any amount of context that keeps Kelvin Joseph on the team after they've learned that he was on the car from which the shots were fired and that apparently weeks went by without him coming forward while Dallas police was asking for information. Toxic Tom says, Mo, this is bigger than football. It really is. It really is. And that's why I wanted to, to lead up with that. Uh, I know that as Cowboys fans, as NFL fans, that's the first question that pops into our minds, whether he will remain a Cowboy or not. But really that just pales in comparison to the importance of the fact that someone unfortunately and tragically lost his life and there are and his loved ones are in grief right now. <sighs> really just tough stuff all around. Uh, and as as big I think big said it best, tragic situation all around. Now Plus, the NFL will do their own investigations, says Michael. Yeah, there are a lot of angles to this story. And that is why it might be better to wait before we speak definitely on it. I think we can all maybe just assume what the outcome will be. And I think, as I said, what the biggest question is right now for the Cowboys, is there any amount of context that makes them okay with him being on that car or not? I guess we will find out. Now, another question that has popped up in the minds of Cowboys fans right now is, does this change anything as we head into the NFL draft? Because for weeks now and months, and I know it's a difficult transition to, to make on the show, but we will turn the page and move on into sports because that is why you guys tune into ADC Sports Dallas primetime every night. So a lot of people are asking, Will this change anything on the Dallas Cowboys draft plans? Because we've been talking about offensive line. We have been talking about wide receiver that for months now have apparently become the most likely positions that the Cowboys address with the 24th overall pick. Does this change anything? Or does this change anything in day two of the 2022 NFL draft? And this has led to some interesting conversations in the last few days regarding the Cowboys secondary because it seems like the team or, or that the fan base is torn when it comes to the defensive backs and the cornerbacks in the Dallas Cowboys. And it's gotten to the point in which, to me, it has become the most disrespected unit in the entire team because, number one, let me just tell you, and this is a question for you guys in the chat, do you think that the Cowboys are overrated or underrated as we head into the 2022 season? Do you think they're overrated or underrated? 
Because let me just tell you right off the bat, I don't think this changes a lot for the Cowboys. I, I don't think this changes the needs for the team because your 2021 starters were Trevon Vicks on the outside. Opposite side, you had uh, Anthony Brown. And then in as your nickel cornerback, you had Jordan Lewis. And I know that our priors, our pre-biases against some of these players, most notably Anthony Brown, who was in conversations to be cut among the fan base before the season actually started and during the preseason. And you know, you know that was a conversation throughout the offseason. Those priors might have forced us to overlook just how well they actually performed in the season, in the 2021 season. And it got to the point in which the Dallas Cowboys finished the year as a top pass defense in the league. And here are just some of these numbers. Number two, EPA per play in pass defense. Number one in success rate. Number three in quarterback rating against. And number seven in big plays allowed. That last stat is a big one to me because it seems like Cowboys fans have criticized the Cowboys pass defense for allowing big plays. According to Sports Info Solutions, and they measure this in what they call a boom percentage, and a boom play is a play that creates over one EPA expected points added. The Cowboys were a top 10 defense in allowing big plays. They, they, they were right up there with the best of the defenses in the league. So to answer the question, and before I tell you my answer, and while you give me yours, let me just talk real quick about our friends over at FreemanHyundai.com. They're bringing prime time to you. And the ride of the week is the 2022 Hyundai Elantra. Guys, it starts at $21,990. And I'm going to rewind a little bit because you might have heard that and said, wait a minute, Mo, Mo misread that. It can't be. The 2022 Honda Elantra actually does start at an incredible price of $21,990. It's got 33 uh, miles per gallon capacity in the city. That goes up to 43 in the highway. Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. It's got a backup camera and a cool feature of lane keeping assist. So the ride of the week, the Freeman Hyundai 2022 Elantra. You can check it out on FreemanHyundai.com alongside their wide array of new Hyundai vehicles. That's FreemanHyundai.com. Let's see some of your answers on whether or not this is an overrated or underrated cornerback group. Uh, Kindle Hall with an interesting answer, both. Underrated, says Samuel Rowe. Craig says underrated. As a unit, says Toxic Tom, underrated, give Anthony Brown some respect. I agree with this. I, I also will say underrated. Daddy goes with underrated. We still have a defense. So mo most of the answers are underrated. Trey here disagrees over at Facebook. He says uh, it's super overrated. Nashawn is a converted wide out. The scheme says big. When I like this one, the scheme is underrated. Here's what... Here's what I like about the Cowboys scheme. Most of the NFL is playing two high defenses. They're playing quarters coverage. They're playing match quarters. They're really just putting 
the emphasis from the top down with two high safeties and deep defenders. The Cowboys are going against the grain in that sense. They're playing single high at one of the highest rates in the NFL. They're playing man-to-man coverage, straight-up man-to-man coverage, at one of the highest rates as well. They're playing with that middle of the field closed. And I've liked that uh, from the Cowboys. I like that they're not going with the league trend because they really just show you something different as the rest of the NFL's defenses, right, at this point. And I like that. Uh, I, I agree with Big. I think that the scheme is underrated. However, I also think that the players are a little bit because I'm going to go over these numbers again. And this is from runningbacksdon'tmatter.com and Sports Info Solutions. The Cowboys passed defense in 2021. We're number two in efficiency measured by EPA per plate. And a lot of people will say that's because of the takeaways. That's because of the Trevon Diggs interceptions. That is not true, however, as they were number one in success rate, which doesn't put any weight into how big of a play it was. So an incompletion or an interception, it goes down the same. It goes down as a successful play. Number three in quarterback rating against and number seven in big plays allowed. And we were talking about some of the criticism versus this Cowboys pass defense is they allow a lot of big plays. It might seem that way, but on 20 plus air yards attempts, the Cowboys were still a top five top 10 kind of defense in the league. Number five in success rate, number four in quarterback rate, rating against, and number seven in completion percentage, according to Sports Info Solutions. Now, I also know that some of the people will say, oh yeah, but that's not on the cornerbacks. That's not on the cornerbacks. That's because the Cowboys have uh, Micah Parsons, the Marcus Lawrence, or a quality pass rush. But that also isn't really true. And I, I'm not saying that uh, they don't have that, but I'm saying even when you filter out the place in which the quarterback was not pressured, guess what happens? The Cowboys remain a top five unit, top seven unit in each and every one of the categories that we have discussed already. It's gotten to the point in which the Cowboys cornerbacks are dealing with plenty of disrespect now i am of the belief that you cannot have too many cornerbacks that's a position in which one injury can derail your plans from one week to another in the nfl that being said i don't think this turns cornerback into a day one kind of need into a day two kind of need in which you reach for a cornerback because you need one I think that if someone is there and he's the best player available or, of, or say that in the highly unlikely scenario in which Derek Stingley falls to 24th, maybe you're even more comfortable taking one because maybe you know, okay, yes, I need a cornerback. However, other than that, I don't think it drastically changes the Cowboys' needs. Now, there's a wild card in here, and that is, does Dan Quinn have a plan for uh, Nashawn Wright? We were surprised by him being the pick in the third round last year, but we know that he was a Dan Quinn kind of pick. He was the cornerback that Dan Quinn wanted to develop. Will that 
pay dividends in 2022? We really don't know, but that is something to consider. Even if we didn't expect him to, to be a third round pick, he was a third round pick. So that's something that also factors into the Cowboys' decision-making in 2022. Uh, stopping the damn run game, says Joey Bella. That is the problem. Crazy to me. It, it really is crazy to me that the Cowboys finished the season, according to runningbacksdon'tmatter.com, number three in EPA per play defense overall. They were number two versus the pass. And even though they were number three overall, they were all the way down at 20 versus the run. Uh, Nashawn seems like a good kid to Samuel. Let's see. Lauren Michael says, be honest, you know Anthony Brown is a bum. Do we know that, Lauren? How I don't think we do. Because honestly, he played pretty darn well. <laughs> he played some good football in 2021. But our, I don't know if he will keep it up. I don't know if it will be consistent year to year or if it was a rare good year for Anthony Brown. But I also don't know that he will not be on a similar level because the evidence, at least for last season, is that he played well. He actually did play well. He had that horrendous terrible game in which Tom Brady picked on him in the NFL kickoff. He had the defensive pass interference game versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Other than that, Anthony Brown actually was a solid starter for the Cowboys in 2021. He was above average for Dallas. I get the questions. I get that we might not be super comfortable going into 2022, and maybe we all have that question of, will Anthony Brown do it, up, do it again? But he was, hey, Stephen White is saying, uh, A.B. Rocks, he's our most complete corner. It is difficult maybe to shake off that bias that we had uh, because of our expectations of him, but he exceeded all of them. Craig says, Brown is your best uh, coverage cornerback. Listen, Anthony Brown played well in 2021. If he had not, if your outside starting cornerback had not played well, do you think those numbers would be up there? Now, let me tell you something, and I should have, I should have written this down. If you looked at the Cowboys cornerbacks individually in EPA per target allowed, quarterback rating against allowed, I'm pretty certain that Anthony Brown ranked higher than Trevon Diggs, for example. We know that PFF puts out, and we'll talk actually about this later on the show, we know that PFF puts out some weird uh, takes and grades, but he actually graded better than, uh, than Trevon Diggs. I'm not saying that he's better than Trevon Diggs, but Anthony Brown had himself a year. Michael says, J. Lou is better on the outside to me. Well, at least, and I'm surprised that he played, uh, that he was your starter uh, inside in 2021 in retrospect, but he played pretty well as well. Uh, right now, Brown would be our starting slot corner. This is showtime. Well, he did start on the outside for the most part. He can do both, which I like. 
But I would say that before or, or unless Wright steps up and become, becomes a starter, or if Kelvin Joseph ends up being around, even after what we've been discussing, uh, maybe you want to slide Anthony Brown on the inside. Big says, where would you want him, Mo? Jordan Lewis? I think on the inside. I think Jordan Lewis's uh, best version of himself is on the inside. But also, I will say, maybe I would like Anthony Brown being in a position in which he can start on the inside if the Cowboys had another starting outside cornerback. And I thought before... Uh, what is up? I thought before... Um, the news over the last weekend that Kelvin Joseph could actually beat out Anthony Brown for the starting role. But right now, we don't know what will happen there. Toxic Tom says you could do a lot worse than Anthony Brown as your cornerback, too. 100%. That he was a pretty decent cornerback for the Cowboys. And that's what I mean by saying, you know what, this is the most disrespected unit in the, in the Cowboys. I don't think it changes a lot for Dallas. I think they still take a cornerback if the value is there, but I don't think it, it's gotten to a point in which they're going to reach for one in the NFL draft. Now, that being said, and, and we were talking about PFF a little bit earlier, I wanted to share this with you because that it was funny to me. Michael Parsons <laughs> takes no prisoners on his Twitter account. And, and he will call out PFF if he feels they should be called out. Because on Friday night, he called them out pretty strongly. Uh, Michael Parsons did over on Twitter. Because PFF and Mike Renners, the NFL Draft lead analyst for Pro Football Focus, and he said on a podcast that Aiden Hutchinson, the projected number one overall pick by many is a better athlete than the Bosa brothers. That is what Mike Renner had to say. Michael Parsons did not like it. He said, this guy is nuts. <laughs> and then he started uh, swearing a little bit. He said, disrespectful to say some beep like this. <laughs> that's right. That's how we're going to uh, censor that. Bosa brothers are different. Michael Parsons said, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to come out at PFF and just call them out. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. Now, PFF tweeted out, is Aiden Hutchinson on track to being the dominant force in the NFL? We will talk more about that in a moment. I will say this. In defense of Mike Renner. I'm not saying he's not saying that Hutchinson is going to be a better pass rusher than the Bosa brothers. He's not saying that. In his defense, he's saying a better athlete. It can be a very subjective term who's the most who's the better athlete or who's the most athletic, but we do know according to the relative athletic score system that takes all of the uh, 40-yard dash numbers, the cone numbers, the 10-yard splits, 20-yard splits, and it boils it down to just the one number. And Aiden Hutchinson has a 
that ranks better than Nick Bosa's 9.39 and Joey Bosa's 8.96. So the relative athletic score system does make Aiden Hutchinson a better athlete than the Bosa brothers. But it's always a very subjective term, and that is why uh, a lot of the time PFF will have some of these takes that create a steer in the NFL community. A lot of the times it is the fans that jump into these conversations and debates and call out PFF, but this time it was your defensive rookie of the year who got five, year, uh, five votes for defensive player of the year that responded. So Michael Parsons having a little bit of fun there with PFF, but I was interested as well. And of course, some of you agree with uh, Micah. Michael says he is correct. But I was interested in the fact. And over here, we, we have a comment saying PFF stinks. I will tell you what. They have some controversial takes. But I put together an article for adcsports.com slash Dallas on this topic. And I did open it up by saying PFF has done a very impressive job. I know the grades can be controversial. I know the yeah, some of their takes can be controversial. They mock drafts look way different than the ones from people like Dane Brugler or Daniel Jeremiah because their way of evaluating players is very different to the mainstream. But I will say this. I do admire them. PFF puts out some pretty good analysis out there consistently and do a great job of collecting data as well. Uh, they have their controversial side, but also they have become a must-follow website for NFL fans, in my opinion. You got to know who you're hearing this from, though, uh, when you read stuff from PFF. But I think they have really done a tremendous job over there. Now, I was interested in the fact that PFF tweeted this out with the quote, is the caption, is Aiden Hutchinson on track to being the dominant force in the NFL? And I found it funny that Micah responded defending the Bosa brothers because I think it could make a very strong argument that a player that is on track to being the dominant force in the NFL is none other than Michael Parsons himself, who as a rookie played as the off-the-ball linebacker for the Cowboys, was an elite pass rusher because he really was elite at least his production was. And he had some impressive plays in coverage. Sometimes on the outside, one-on-one -on -one versus Kenny Galladay from the New York Giants. Or that Jaron Kears crazy interception versus the Saints in which you see uh, Micah pretty much play as the middle field post safety as a Tampa 2 kind of linebacker for the Cowboys. So... I think Micah is up there as one of the dominant forces in the NFL. And this question popped right into my head. Who can challenge Micah Parsons for the dominant force in the NFL? Who do you think is in that race? Because I will tell you what, Aaron Donald to me is the best player, defensively speaking, right now in the NFL. But if we're talking about those players that are on track to being the dominant force in the NFL, maybe we're talking about younger players under 30 years old to say something. And I believe Aaron Donald today is 30 years old. So who do you think can be 
on the race with uh, Michael Parsons for that title. Stephen White's is awesome play. I still think about it every. Uh, it it really is just one of my favorite moments of the 2021 season. All of the Michael Parsons in pass coverage moments. Uh, Toxic Tom says, I love PFF, but you need to look at the data, not just the ranking, because it's very misleading. I agree. Charlene Evans, and I think this is an, an answer uh, before I actually post it. So shout out to Charlene saying, what brothers are better than the Bosa brothers? Because I think that you can make an argument for TJ Watt, also brought up by, by Michael uh, in the dominant force in the NFL. Here, Tart says Lumen, representing Titans Nation. Devondra Campbell is a beast, says Nicholas. Campbell is pretty good. I, I agree. Uh, Joey find my question disrespectful. <laughs> because he says the answer is no one. <laughs> Shout out to Joey. Toxic Tom, on the other hand, says Mo, he has had one season. I would not compare him to any proven commodity like Donald, Bosa, or what. I also think that the question is TJ Watt and Nick Bosa. I think those two are the answers for who is uh, the challenge for Michael Parsons to become the dominant force in the NFL. That being said, I don't know, Toxic Tom. I know it's only one season, but did he ever slow down? Did he ever show you that maybe this was going to be a one-year wonder? Because I, I don't feel like he did. And I feel like we knew right away who Nick Bosa was going to be when he had nine sacks as a rookie. And I think that we also knew right away what TJ Watt was going to be. And, and that's in a very different scenario because it's not like what was a top five, top 10 draft pick like Nick Bosa was, yet we knew right away what kind of player he was going to be. Lunatic says Miles Garrett. I agree with that. Uh, how old is Miles Garrett right now? Because he's not that. He, he's very young, right? Miles Garrett could certainly be in that conversation because he's in the conversation to be perhaps the best pass rusher in the league. Big says, if Micah only did what they did, then he's, uh, he's be compared to them by everyone. Oh, yeah, meaning that if he was rushing the passer full-time, is that what you meant there, Big? Yeah, but he's not on the edge anywhere close to much as them. That is what's insane about Micah Parsons. When you looked at the pressures and then compare it with the past rushing snaps that he actually had, that's when it got super crazy. That's when I said, you know what? Micah is going to run away with the Defensive Player of the Year award. But then TJ Watt decided to sack uh, 125 times Baker, Baker Mayfield on that Monday night football game or Sunday night. I don't remember which one of it was. But yeah, I thought, and, and you, you guys remember this, if you watched primetime uh, during the regular season, it got to a point in which I concluded, you know what, Parsons is going to actually win this award. And then TJ Watt went crazy versus Baker Mayfield, tied the single season record for uh, sacks on a season, and it felt like it was all over. If you keep Parsons at defensive end, he will have multiple 20-sack seasons, says Michael. Could be. <laughs> I, I'm not doubting you. I'm not doubting that statement. But also, 
I don't want the Cowboys to keep him at defensive end. Let him do a little bit of everything. Give me more of them Tampa 2 coverage snaps for Michael Parsons. That is truly what I want to see. Toxic Thompson's Parsons reminds me a lot of where too. Here's, here's what gets me with Micah. Because honestly, he doesn't remind me of anyone. <laughs> and as a young 22-year-old follower of football and the NFL, I don't... I cannot think of anyone who who is as versatile as Micah was in 2021. Because I, I am sort of a bookworm. So I'm I'm a I'm a sports fan that falls in the nerd category of, of fans. I will read sports books, watch random history videos of NFL and all of that. And it did feel to me like this is Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> and and we and I'm proud about this. We were early on the Lawrence Taylor conversation here on Primetime. It got to a point in which it became a mainstream conversation, but we were early on that. And you guys remember this if, if you followed Primetime during the during the regular season. And I never watched Lawrence Lawrence Taylor live, obviously, but I couldn't I wouldn't be able right now, even if even as I am thinking about it, to think about other comparison for Michael Parsons. Has anyone ever, says Big, gone 200 snaps inside and 200 on the edge? Good trivia question, Big. I will try to find that out. Uh, maybe our guys over at at um, Sports Info Solutions could help us out with that one. Now. I, I do agree with this. Only one Lawrence Taylor ever. And that's where I think the, uh, the, maybe a lot of people lost the, the point of these comparisons. I don't think anyone was saying that Micah is necessarily like the next Lawrence Taylor. But the fact that he came in and was so versatile that he could play off the ball linebacker and he could play in coverage like Lawrence Taylor did back in the 80s while also rushing the passer at a very elite level. But I agree with, with that. Uh, only one Lawrence Taylor ever. Mott Raising back on, says Lumen. I don't follow uh, Mott Raising, to be honest. But anyways, let's see. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is coming for Dax, says Lumen. <laughs> Zach from ADC Sports uh, Nashville. Well, from ADC Sports in general, of course, but... Uh, originally, and from the Nashville shows, that's what I meant, uh, was with Jeffrey Simmons on the plate from Dallas to, to Nashville, I believe. He was with Big Jeff. Ahead of his time, same as Micah, says Tony. Yeah, a linebacker that did it all. It wasn't that we were saying, oh, Micah Parsons is the next Lawrence Taylor, but as a rookie, you were like, who else does he remind you of? And it felt like that was the only correct answer. It wasn't that Micah reminded you of a rookie, Darius Leonard, that won the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year as a linebacker. It also wasn't Nick Bosa that won the Defensive Rookie of the Year as a edge rusher. It was something completely different with Micah. 
And that's what made it so special. And that's what drew the comparisons with LT, the legend, the GOAT among defensive players. Tommy915 says, sorry I missed uh, most of the show, but good evening, everyone. You can catch the replay, of course, Tommy. Also, you can catch the podcast. But anyways, uh, I will see you guys tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central. Before I leave, let me address this question really quick uh, from Russell. Do you think any steam will start coming forward on Kyler Murray for that kind of trade more and more? That is a big question. I honestly think it will be a non-story. The way that this whole thing blew up is that I don't remember which side it was actually, but some betting odds, uh, some betting site put out odds on where was Kyler Murray going to end up in. And the number one option for some reason was the Cowboys, but at plus 800, not like real odds on this thing. I think it will be a non-story, to be honest. Bruce got the use, says, uh, thoughts on the USFL. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched last night's game, and then I didn't really follow it up today on Sunday, which I am pretty sure will be the case with a lot of people that tuned in for the Saturday night night game. However, uh, some quick takeaways. I think the Saturday night game was... Pretty good, actually, surprisingly good. Uh, and they got very good play out of the quarterbacks, which was what surprised me the most. They had a tight game, went down to the wire. The helmet camps, as the Lunatic is pointing out, were cool. The drone camps maybe was a little bit over the top. Uh, I, I hope that they narrow it down to a point in which they figure out what they want to do with the drone and then just stick with it. And I know they're experimenting with the drones a little bit, but it did feel like too much at some point. And that's okay because it was the kickoff. But I would like it that they reach a point in which they say, this is what we're going to do with the drone and nothing else. And really just narrow it down to that. They they had some replays, for example, for the route for a wide receiver. And they showed the replay from the drone point of view, which was basically a close-up of the receiver playing defensive backs. And that was pretty cool. That was insane. I I like that so much. Now, today I followed a little bit. Uh, I I had it on on one of the monitors, and I was looking a little bit from the corner of my eye. Offensive line play, not great. And that doesn't allow you to do too much. But anyways, that those are some of my quick thoughts. Maybe we can dive in uh, deeper tomorrow night. Uh, I think we will. But anyways, thank you. Thank you. Smash the like button. Share the show. Every like allows us to put this show in front of more Cowboys fans as we continue to grow the ADC Sports Dallas community. Check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, primetime brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Hyundai. I will see you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and have a great start to the week. Cowboys Nation, my name is Mauricio Rodriguez and I will see you tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central. Thank you, guys.